0: Stock splits are debatable no matter how you slice it on this tech edition of Industry Focus. <laughs> Greetings, fools. Sean O'Reilly here at Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. It is May 6, 2016, Friday, TGIF.
1: And uh, in studio with me to talk all things tech, as always, is Dylan Lewis. What's up, man? Not too much, Sean. Nice to be back. We had a little break last week because I was hosting with Nathan on the show. Yeah,
0: how did you did you do with the chair switch?
1: I sat in your chair, the host chair. Was it weird? And he sat over here. Super it was weird. different. It was, it was, was a good like, show, by the way. Well, I realized that the camera was getting my right side rather than my left side. Is that your better side? I don't know. I guess you'd have to ask the viewers. What do you <laughs> write into us
0: at industryfocus at full.com to tell us which side is Dylan's good side? <laughs> there it is, the email <laughs> plug. Now we can get on with the show. Um, so uh, we're talking about not necessarily a tech theme uh, today, but it obviously affects a couple of tech companies, which we'll be talking about. Uh, but we're talking about t- uh, stock splits. Mm-hmm. Um, so,
1: Dylan, for our listeners that may not know, what is a stock split? Stock split is basically if you think about a company's value. And their ownership as a pie. Uh, stock splits are taking that pie and maybe it's cut into eighths, we'll say, to start, and then cutting it into sixteenths. What kind of pie is it? I like to think it's a pecan pie. Pecan pie. Pecan right. pie. So <laughs> if you owned an eighth of that pie and it was a two for one split, mm-hmm. you would be getting now two slices of sixteenths pie, right? <sighs> Why do people do this, Dylan? No. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are a couple different reasons companies do it. Um, some of them I put credence in, some of them I don't personally. Uh, but the idea here is like you're making your shares slightly more accessible to the average investor. So because the overall value of the company doesn't change and you're just getting smaller slices. Mm-hmm. So, say uh, you're currently trading at $100 a share, uh, they do a two for one split, they are now trading at $50 a share. Right, and you Uh, have two shares in your account.
0: What is your opinion on that? Because obviously, and everybody's favorite example of this is, uh, of course, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, Not everybody has a two hundred thousand dollars
1: to just buy one share of something. Um, Do you think that matters? Like, I think there's something to be said for keeping your share prices high and having people that are buying and holding and not moving in and out of positions. I I think it does attract a certain type of investor. Um, I do think it's nice when companies decide that they want to make. Their share is more accessible to the average investor. Mm -hmm. You know, Tim Cook, when Apple split seven for one, said, uh, We're taking this action to make Apple stock more accessible to a large number of investors. Like, made it plain and simple. Like, this is part of the motivation for this. Um, One of the other things people will cite is it does increase liquidity. um, If, for whatever reason, you're seeing really wide bid ask spreads, so what people are willing to sell for versus what people are willing to buy for, and the brokerage accounts Mm -hmm. or the brokerage teams that pair those up, um, you'll see those spreads. Tighten up. That seems like kind of a dubious claim in this, you know, in
0: today, because of just the proliferation of technology in the financial industry. Yeah. Um, All trading is done by algorithm now, anyway. So especially
1: because most companies that are splitting, for the most part, already have a pretty big, you know, daily active volume, and and it's it's not something that's going to dramatically change that. Uh, so, So I don't know how much I believe that, but. The last line of thinking, and again, this is one that is not super, uh, super relevant, maybe as much anymore. But uh, board lot thinking and the strategy there. So, uh, a board lot is the standardized number of shares as defined by a stock exchange um, as like a trading unit. And mm-hmm. so, uh, basically, you think about some of these big institutional moves and brokerage moves that happen. Um, the purpose of these board lots is to avoid odd amounts of shares. So, if everyone is working in these hundred share denominations, typically. Uh, then you won't wind up with these weird 83 share lots that no one wants right and so um, that's it makes it easier to get a collection of 100 shares for that board lot if the share price is lower got it again that just seems like that would have been more of a problem 30 years ago right yeah and and so I think and I actually have a, a great data point and some questions to ask uh, that tie into that a little bit okay uh, so it's kind of an interesting data point I came across in researching the show. From 2008 to 2013, only 12 S&P 500 companies, on average, split their stocks each year, uh, and this is data coming from S&P Dow Jones indices. By comparison, in the 90s, an average of 64 companies in the S&P 500 split their stocks each year. In 1997, there were 102 total stock splits. Wow! So there, proofs in the pudding. I yeah. mean, yeah. And so I have a couple theories as to why stock splits are going down. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I name any of them, Sean, do you have any guesses or any thoughts uh, yourself? I, when I peeked at yours,
0: they're very good. But um, the other th- theory that I have is the um, uh, Warren Buffett has become a huge part of just the American nexus and everything. Um, and he's become increasingly influential in the last twenty years. I mean, all these books, and he's just everywhere, and he's he's basically a household name now. And um, another instance where he kind of said this is silly was um, tech companies in the early two thousands, and actually Coca Cola too. They weren't expensing stock options on their income statements. They were giving millions of dollars to uh, employees, but they weren't expensing them on income statements. And Buffett was like, "That's silly. It's hard to calculate the value. I'll grant you, and that's fine." But you need to account for it. But somehow. you need to account for it somehow. And um, not only did Coca Cola, which you know he owns nine percent of, do it, and that was actually the first S and P five hundred company to expense stock options, I believe. Um, if it w- if it wasn't the first, it was one of them. Um, but he actually got his buddy Bill Gates, to do it at Microsoft. They were the first mm-hmm. big tech companies. So I would throw. A- I- I couldn't prove it, but I would just throw out Buffett being part of the American Nexus and his thoughts on the matter. You know, he does not believe in share splitting. He wants long term partner shareholders. Um, I would throw that as uh, a harebrained theory of mine.
1: (laughs) Okay, so so a couple thoughts that I had on it. Um, One of them, you look at the time frame that was cited, and I grabbed this from a Wall Street Journal article. But that two thousand eight to twenty thirteen range, that's Mid to post financial crisis, and so you might just see companies that are looking. They for They were doing reverse stock splits, more like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, you might just see companies wanting to stay stable and not really rock the boat with anything crazy on right. the corporate governance side. Um, one of the other things I think, to your point about technology, you have online discount brokers which make building positions much cheaper. Right, and so. You know, you look at some of the very expensive tech stocks right now, like Apple, or sorry, like Google. Um, If you want to buy one or two shares right now, you can do it and pay a seven dollar commission, and it's not the expenses are not a huge, huge portion. In fact, the overall transaction flat, so it doesn't matter. Right? Yeah. Whereas you know, maybe in the early nineties or so, uh, the cost of making those types of trades and position building and dollar cost averaging uh, was a little bit more expensive. Uh, the one other thing I think might be contributing, maybe not quite as much, is uh, the widespread availability availability of fractional shares, and so the idea that people do not need to buy an entire share of Google, right. you can. There are a whole bunch of platforms out there where you can buy parts of a share of Google. Wonders of modern technology. Yeah. So, um, so those are some of the reasons I see, the, but. I think largely companies are not uh, they are not as tied up in the idea of making it as, as accessible to buy shares. And yeah. I think they're selling to that idea of building more of this buy and hold uh, holding company type of approach. I mean, you see, that, that's what uh, Alphabet did, right? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of yeah, what yeah, they're yeah. moving towards. And there's a lot of Buffett influence there.
0: So, when do you think investors should care about a stock split? Like, if it's act-
1: when will it affect their lives? Yeah. <laughs> so, to go back to that metaphor of uh, the pie's the same size. And you're just slicing it differently, and you're owning that same portion. Uh, sometimes there are instances where it's not just one of the slices the, gets to vote a lot. <laughs> Basically, you wind up in these situations where uh, we're slicing the pie differently, but I'm telling you what the pie is going to look like, <laughs> <You know? laughs> or I'm going to tell you what the pie is made of. One out. of the slices has all the pecans. <laughs> yeah. And so you're seeing, I think, there are a couple of really high profile examples, um, Under Armour, one of them out of the tech space, but. Some stock splits more recently have been used uh, to issue new share classes, and those new share classes distribute the economic value of the split, but they don't necessarily have the same rights as the previous shares did. And our lead in for the show and why we wanted to talk about this was Facebook's proposed split, and this is something that came up in their conference call. And so, if you checked out Facebook's conference call, you would have heard, uh, pending stockholder approval, we intend to issue two Class C shares as a one-time stock dividend for each outstanding Class A and Class B share, resulting in a tripling of the pre-classification total shares outstanding. And that's, hmm. from, and that's from David Wehner, uh the CFO of the company. Who owns all those Class B shares, Dylan? <laughs> you want to take a guess? Oh, I know who. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, right now, Facebook. His name rhymes with Muckerberg. <laughs> yeah. Facebook already has two shares, uh, two classes of stock. Uh, they're A and B shares. And they were created when the company went public. And the idea there was they wanted Mark Zuckerberg to retain ownership of the company. So, class A shares, they each have one vote. Zuckerberg owns a pretty small percentage of them, actually. I think it's like about 4 million of the 2.3 billion outstanding. So oh, wow. Tiny. Wow. Um, Class B shares, on the other hand, have 10 votes each. He owns 468 million of the roughly 550 million outstanding. Yeah. So 85%. Yeah. Uh, so all told, he owns about 15% of the company, but wields like 60% of the votes.
0: So this is automatic. The proposed, uh, you know, issuance of the two Class C shares and everything, pending stockholder approval. That's definitely going to happen because he
1: controls six percent of the voting power of the company. It will probably happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it'd be crazy for it not to, right?
0: Unless he accidentally hits the no button or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so, so how does this all tie in? Uh, again, from the company's conference call, uh, this structure will allow for the preservation of the voting structure that has served the company well to date, while allowing for Mark to fund the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative over the course of his lifetime. Importantly, as part of this proposal, the preservation of the multi-class capital structure. Would generally be predicated on Mark continuing to maintain active leadership and active leadership role at Facebook. And so, uh, for maybe listeners that don't know, the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative is Mark and Priscilla Chan, his wife's LLC, and it's kind of it's not a nonprofit, but it is slanted towards a nonprofit type mission. Uh, the idea there is advancing human potential and promoting equality in areas such as health, education, scientific research, and energy. So. He's more or less doing what Gates did, just a little bit younger, with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Exactly, and so earlier in the year, uh, they committed to donating ninety nine percent of their Facebook shares, uh, the value of their Facebook shares, and he said, you know, he's not going to sell more than one billion over the next three years, but for him to do that based on his current ownership, uh, he'd hit a point where he'd be selling very valuable shares. Right. Right. In terms of voting rights. Yes. In terms of voting rights, and so if you look at this what is effectively a three to one split. Um, he will be receiving a ton of shares, over nine hundred million shares, <laughs> to work with, and uh, he will then be able to transfer the non-voting shares, the Class C shares, uh, to those the foundation, the, or, foundation, the yeah. LLC, and then maintain that ownership. Got it. And and this is very similar to what Under Armour looked to do with their C shares, right? right. I mean, it, the idea there was. Kevin Plank is at the helm, and he wants to maintain ownership of the company.
0: It's always it seems like companies wind up doing uh, stuff like this just so the the founder can spend some of their money. Um, and uh, you know, you look at uh, Larry Ellison over at Oracle. He, um, you know, he he. Owns one of the islands of Hawaii and he races super crazy yachts. And doesn't sound like he's given 99% of his shares away. No, but um, I I just it was interesting because he I don't think he's ever really sold a single of his original shares in Oracle. But what he did instead of like doing a different share class than selling shares or whatever, he just gets a ton of stock options every year. Oh, he's written in crazy grants, right? Yeah, Yeah. so and there's that, and then obviously you've got um, Buffett who just Waited until he was 80 to start giving his money away, and then it doesn't matter. And um, really, the only outlier there is Gates that I can think of because he's just selling his shares. He actually, uh, it happened a year ago, I think. Balmer actually owns more of Microsoft than Gates. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Like, imagine. Yeah, he, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was. I, I remember going to the library when I was like 16 and uh, reading the Value on Investment Survey. And one of the pages in it is Major Insider Sells, and they just send it out every month or whatever. Every month, like clockwork, for like fifteen years, Gates has just been selling twenty million Microsoft shares. Like, anyway. So, how do you? Bottom line, stuff like this always kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth.
1: Yeah, there's there's that weird tinge of like I I know what you're doing and I think it's right. Right. Because if, if you're a Facebook shareholder, you believe in Mark Zuckerberg, right. And you believe in the, his vision of the company and you want him at the helm. I can't think of anyone else right. that you'd rather have running that company. Um, So you want him locked up, and you want a corporate structure that gives him the opportunity to wield ownership as he sees fit and steer the company towards the initiatives that he wants to be working on. Um, It is there's that. On the other hand, yeah, (laughs) there's that that weird taste to it, though. And you know, if you own Facebook and you don't want Zuckerberg at the helm, why are you you buying? Why are you? Why do you own them? I guess.
0: Um, it just seems to me like stuff like this, just complicated, convoluted ownership structures,
1: long term, they kind of muck things up a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, there's actually already been a class action lawsuit filed by a shareholder claiming uh, basically this move gives Zuck. Did that happen about five minutes after this announcement yeah. was made? Yeah. It was like that. Um, so the, they claim the move gives Zuck uh, entrenched control without really him having to give up anything. Right. And that. Um, that's kind of problematic. And you know, from a corporate governance standpoint, I understand that argument. But um it's it's really one of those things where if you believe in him as a leader mm-hmm. and you're following him as an investor then you really shouldn't worry all that much about it. You also brought up a good point when we were walking down here. This also kind of protects them from um crazy corporate raiders and stuff. Yeah, I mean if he I ma- appreciate if that. he maintains more than half of the the voting rights for the company then right. he can pretty much do whatever he wants. And so uh, you're not going to have someone really vocal like Ackman or Icon come in and tell him what he needs to do, right? Uh, and then and, they'll sell a year later because they don't actually care about the long-term company or something. Yeah, and this thing they talked about a lot in the conference call was, you know, we are making several long-term bets, and we feel like a lot of the big risks that we're taking, more of them are in front of us than behind us. Right. And uh, having an entrenched CEO that is also someone that owns a ton of the company and can do what he needs to do, sets you up to make some of those bets and make you you know, less subjected to these more short-term, medium-term mindsets yeah. that are out there. Um, so, People that are interested in following up on this, uh, just stay tuned. There's going to be a vote in the annual shareholder meeting on June 20th, and that will determine whether or not it passes. I'm, it ge- will. I'm guessing it probably will, um, but more to come on that. So
0: um to round things out here, um when should we not care about stock splits?
1: Yeah, in you
0: know every other instance. We, <laughs> so we, so we
1: yeah, basically if it when none of the above applies, you know, right. like if it's not materially changing the corporate ownership structure, um if you are simply getting two shares of the same share class for one that you owned before. Mhm. Then it's probably not much of a big deal, right? right. Um, you know, reading financial media stuff. You know, I'm sure you see this too. But you know, I'll see things like Amazon should split its stock because it's expensive, and people people should buy do it. Do you do you feel richer with a ten dollar bill or two fives? Yeah, and you'll see the arguments that are like, well, psychologically, you know, uh, someone believes that an hundred dollar stock could go to two hundred much more easily than a five hundred dollar stock could go to a thousand. Like, well. But that's not how growth works. Like it, it's you yeah, know it's the same growth percentage either way. Um, so I don't know. I would just ignore that kind of noise. The
0: only other time I could think of where it would matter was it was being done for a reason, such as an acquisition. Um, Berkshire Hathaway has um, a Class B shares that are one one hundredth. I think so they they're traded for two three thousand dollars, and then Class A is two hundred thousand um, dollars. And they were actually done so Ber- uh, Berkshire Hathaway could buy. Um, uh, oh shoot. American uh, American General Insurance. Anyway, they bought another insurance company in like 1999, and it was a stock-for-stock deal. And they're like, we can't chop up a hundred thousand dollars share price, so they had to issue the Class B in order to make that possible. Yeah, so that's Um, when you need it. But obviously, the event there is the merger, not the actual split. Because yeah, right. Cool. All right, Dylan. But thanks for your thoughts. Always a pleasure, Sean. Have a good one. And if you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Just email us at fool.com. Again, that is fool.com. And as always, people in this program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about. The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. For Dylan Lewis, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!